Okay, I'm number six, and this is the new Prisoner's Interviews. And I'm not only here with John Henry, I am here with Silas Guthier of Silas Speaks. And I am really excited for this interview because I needed some explanations as to how this, um, Silas, you're probably going to have to correct me on this, the gematria uh, stuff works. And um, I, I got Silas to come in and give us a little one-on-one as to um, you know what his background is and history, uh, this Kabbalah, um, geometry, math, letters, number stuff. And um, he's going to clear that up for us. And also, we're going to talk about, um, well, the, the stuff we always talk about, John Henry. We're going to talk about the end of the world. So, do you want to say hello to the people? And then I'm going to turn it over to our friend Silas here. Yeah, and just appreciate Silas being on with us. And um, it's been an interesting week. Interesting week, not just in uh, New York from a, um, a SCOTUS perspective, but today is a uh, extremely historic day uh, for the United States of America. Today is the day that the Supreme Court overturned, or overturned Roe versus Wade. Um, you know, when we talk about Welcome to the End of the World podcast, you can already see uh, <laughs> exactly that taking place. And one of the things we've talked about on the show many times is, you know, kind of the, the summer of fear, the summer of terror, and, you know, what is going to prompt you know, that type of chaos again, and uh, we certainly see it already. Uh, so it uh, is an interesting time to say the very least. Uh, you know, a lot of states had uh, trigger bans in place so that if that decision was made, they would automatically uh, end abortion uh, in those states. So it's, um, it's a very interesting day. It's a special day. You know, there's certainly a lot of wins coming out of this week. And, you know, the other part of it too is we just talk about that intrinsic evil that we see in our so-called leaders and you know it has come out more prevalent this week than than we've seen it so far uh, even beyond the lockdowns of forced vaccinations but you know when you see these people screaming and yelling and you know and, and crying that this is a terrible extreme decision uh, that was made you really get to see a, a lot of darkness in these people and that's why we do what we do uh, to fight against that every single day so, uh, yeah, just excited for this conversation. And, you know, thank you again for Silas being here. I'm just really looking forward to it. And Silas, do you want to say a little to the people for us? Hello. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure All to be right, here. man. And um, so I think the, the first question I wanted, to, I wanted to ask you just right off the bat is, uh, you know, after watching some of your material, and, and the, for those in our audience that haven't yet checked out Silas Speaks, um, he is on BitChute with us, uh, along with Odyssey, Rumble, um, is are you still allowed on YouTube or I am, but I haven't been uploading there quite frequently. I've had a few strikes. We oh. have to, <laughs> fortunately, oh, only a few. Come on, Silas. Only, only a few. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but, um, what I wanted to say is, um, you know, when somebody, I guess, looks at your material, the, the first thing that popped into my mind is where does this guy get this stuff? Like, uh, how does he, how, you know, what kind of knowledge base does he have? Like how far back does his knowledge go? Cause it just seems like you reach so far back into history where it's just, you know, I, I, I don't know where it begins. So maybe you can kind of simplify that for us. Where, where does it begin for you, Silas? Um, I, I was always interested from a very early age in history and, 
specifically military history. So military theory, anything surrounding that. Um, though I could only go really so far with it because that was prior to the days where I, I had the internet. Um, roughly about, it would, it would have been maybe 2009, um, I got access to the internet. So I was fairly late in getting access to it. Um, after that, obviously, it's pretty much a repository of information. And I just went on and just started reading everything I could on history, military history. Um, I'm quite um, fascinated by the, the way one can control the minds of individual soldiers and create a, a, a sort of mass formation within the psyche of them to then go off to war, to do something that really is, let's, let's face it, immoral, you know, take a, another human's life. Um, so that sort of fascinated me, um, that the individuals could be pushed to, to that length. That obviously led into psychological warfare. Um, I was very interested in that. And uh, after that, I basically stumbled upon conspiracy-related videos and uh, I, I just researched them uh, for, for years uh, while making uh, a great deal of observations regarding civilization, the rise and fall of it. That which I've uh, put into written form within my first book, uh, Rise and Fall, a Discourse Upon the Phenomena of Civilization and of Decline. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's just something that very, very much interests me. Um, I, I, I can't even put my finger on it. I don't know why. It's just quite uh, fascinating so to me. So you're the type of people that we encourage all the time uh, on the New Prisoners, Silas, the people that actually, you know, we encourage all the people to, you know, question everything, to look into this stuff, to do their own research, to delve in further. Like, I, I love putting ideas out there and have people expand upon them. And it's been great too on the show, like all of you listeners out there, everybody that sends me things, we love you all because it, it just helps us share more things with other people too. Like when you talk about uh, a cyclical nature uh, in in the universe, like having that, you know, that knowledge to pass on from other people, like, and just like the, the preservation and the knowledge of history, like your ability to reach back and grab those things and bring them to the forefront for other people to observe them, Silas. I think that's a very important thing that you do. Um, John Henry, did you have something to say? Mm, I have more of a question uh, for Silas and, you know, based on what he just explained and, you know, his area of, of deep interest, Silas, you know, when you look into the psychology and how uh, leaders and, and tyrants motivate people to go to war, you know, and, and when you look at different wars, there's examples of, um, you know, in significant wars and especially in like Normandy throughout Europe, when, you know, the soldiers on both sides took a break for Christmas to play football or soccer together, uh, other instances of there being prevalent wild animal attacks um, in them <laughs> being in a situation where they actually cease fighting to be able to ward that off, right? Where you know, you have that sense of humanity back in there. So for we're driven, right, with war by our leaders and, and what we're told we should be representing or doing. And and obviously here on the New Prisoners, we're, we are very anti-war. Uh, that's incredibly important because of the resources and the human lives. 
But my question to you is in your research with uh, leaders driving people into the military and subsequently into war uh, with a willingness to kill, do you see parallels with our current leadership in the United States doing the same thing to normal citizens when you see how much violence we have and just how much dissension and division that we have here? Oh, yes, yes. I, I mean, this was the most profound thing I sort of figured out early on in terms of uh, war and military affairs, uh, especially as a, as a sort of tool of the state. Um, it, it's not just in terms of foreign policy, it's also domestic policy. So, in essence, this may sound uh, quite strange to people, but any government, the US government uh, is the most pronounced example today, they're at war with their own people. So we we see it and we'll we'll probably get into Roe versus Wade. This is all driven to create a sort of a a dialectic um, to contrive division within society um, for both sides to dehumanise one another. And obviously the various partisan media promote and propagate that dehumanisation of the opposition. And we're already seeing it, I mean, with this Roe versus Wade thing, um, though it occurs on the other side as well, the right wing side or what have you, um, they're talking about, you know, assassination of public officials and such within the left wing. I mean, that's the sort of hysteria um, that you see um, sort of reflected or mirrored within the military. So the conventional military. You know, the dehumanization of the enemy. And yeah, I mean, you see Maxine Waters today uh, saying the hell with the Supreme Court. You know, we yeah. will fight them. Um, you have Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez screaming at the illegitimate. And they're basically making an effort to illegitimize the Supreme Court, uh, which is the highest court in the land. Uh, it's. I mean, it's, it's extraordinary to see something like this. So as a follow-up question, in your belief, let's just say within the United States right now, what do you feel the purpose behind this is? What is the end game of why there's so much divisiveness? Because obviously now we have Roe versus Wade. And for the last couple of years, it has been racism and systematic racism to divide the people. So what do you think their goal is or their objective is? We'll probably get into it in terms of Kabbalah, the, the sort of, <clears throat> pardon me, the, the sort of um, meta-narrative that goes behind this, but specifically um, in a short-term sort of time horizon, it's all based around distraction, distracting the people from what the, the tyrants are doing. Um, when the tyrant king is fearing rebellion, he will pit the peasantry against one another. Um, to obviously ward off uh, said rebellion and to vent steam uh, amongst the peasantry. Um, that's primarily what it's about. Also as well, it's we're in a state of total war. And w- what is war good for? Uh, well, apart from the song, absolutely nothing. Um, war is uh, very good for uh, changing societal trends, societal norms. In a state of war, people are psychologically malleable, um, highly, highly so. Um, and in such a state, 
social trends can be seeded within the minds of people and they can be developed and cultivated uh, rather easily in a shorter time frame as say, you know, in, 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 as opposed to times of peace. So let me ask you this, um, and I absolutely agree with that. Are you surprised at just how malleable people's minds have become? Because when you see the amount of people that um, went from maybe not very politically involved to these folks over these last couple of years, especially recently, have developed into, uh, I mean, it's, it's such an extreme version of themselves. Does it surprise you to see that it has gone as far as it has, as fast as it has? I mean, people's willingness to burn buildings, attack others, you know, to your point earlier when you talked about, um, you know, that call for for people in, in very high positions. As an example, the assassination attempt on a Supreme Court justice. You know, I saw a video today that they were um, at the protest in D.C. handing out uh, Clarence Thomas's home address to people. Um, in a massive way. So are you shocked to see how we've gotten to to such a desperate and just outrageous place as fast as we have with people that really, again, going from relatively normal people to such an extreme stance and such an extreme willingness to execute violence or just hatred, betrayal? Prior, prior to sort of the COVID pandemic, I, I would have been, yeah. But I, I mean, this mirrors what was in Rome. Um, Primarily because um, the U.S. as a republic is sort of taking the, the the path of least resistance that republics do take, um, and you're you're seeing birth of a corrupt oligarchic class. Yeah, say the birth is is really already here, um, but people generally, when you denationalize people, the, the entire country. When the entire country is put in a sort of self-hating morass, if you will, they they will cling to any sort of tribalism that's presented to them, even if that tribalism is tantamount to civil war. Um, so, in a way, I'm I'm not I'm not totally surprised. The especially in terms of the collapse of civilizations. The closer the collapse comes, or the closer the collapse uh, uh, approaches, um, things tend to spiral down very, very quickly. Um, we see that from history. Um, obviously, the Roman Republic, the Roman Empire, as well, being prime examples of that. Um, so, yeah, that's why I would say on that. I'd say it is a, another part of history um, that we should note that this might be for the first time in many decades, that the federal government is going to kill less people. But then I thought again, no, they're pushing shots on six to four, four year olds now, six months to four years. So um, I guess they'll make up for it. But uh, Silas, uh, just, <laughs> a, yeah, just a, you know, just a <laughs> yeah. moving of uh, a different yeah, demographics, yeah. <laughs> moving it around a little bit. Same to population, just different packaging. But um, and on that note, Silas, uh, tell me some about this history stuff that that you have got into that lends to a lot of the material that you make. A lot of it's posited within my first book. Um, if in, if anyone wants a free PDF of it, um, 
I can just send you one. Uh, if you email Silas Speaks, so S I L A S S P E A K S at gmail.com, I'll just send you a free PDF. But primarily, the, the cultural decay is the, is the main. Uh, the main parallel from Rome, um, we, we find pretty much what would have been considered, even in Rome, uh, contemporary, or Rome in the contemporary, their contemporary period, what would have been considered aberrant behaviour as opposed to the cultural norms uh, or the traditional norms uh, was pretty much in full swing near the end of the empire. Um, I mean, serious cultural decay. You can see it in Pompeii. There's places children can't actually walk, uh, or they're, they're advised not to because of the pornographic nature of some of the uh, wall depictions. I mean, it's uh, it was pretty much the Amsterdam of oh, its day. Oh. Um, so, so some of that, 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 that's the most pronounced thing. When you start to see moral decay, um, which leads into demographic decay and obviously the decay within the family unit. Um, that's when you typically see very quick or a quickening of civilizational collapse. Um, or so I've, I've seen from history. And Silas, that's a pretty common theme uh, for different civilizations or empires that have fallen is they, um, they basically take on an obsession with sexuality. Uh, you know, based on your research, is that something that you've seen and found? Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely, yeah. I mean, there's um, a lot of people were surprised. I, I mean, I was even surprised as well. There was a first century uh, epigrammist named Marshall. Um, he discusses uh, basically same-sex unions in, I think it was first or second century Rome. I think it was early 2nd century, if it was 2nd century Rome. Um, he discusses one would wear the, wear the bridal veil. Now, to R- R- Roman ideas surrounding sexuality were pretty much cent- uh, centred around passive and active roles. So the, the, the man for honour's sake, would never be seen to be wearing a bridal veil because that would be seen as him taking on the sort of passive role of the relationship. Um, obviously, that's something that started to decay at the end of Rome. I mean, it, that wasn't really even the end. It, it went on for a, a century after that, but it, it pretty much collapsed by by the time of the third century. And the writing was on the wall for the Roman Empire, but... Yeah, that's that's one of those things. Um, I I put the quote from his uh, from one of his poems uh, or one of his epigrams uh, within my first book there. So yeah, as Silas too. I mean, doesn't it um, kind of make sense though that if you have a lot of extra time on your hands, that you're probably going to end up doing something with them. You know, isn't there an old phrase or something about that? Like when you think about all these opulent, you know, civilizations of the past, no matter where it could have been on earth, when you get to a certain extent where you don't have to worry about food or water or clothing or shelter, and you know, all the basics, then, then the mind just starts going, you know, like if I, if I was working in a cobalt mine, you know, you know, mining cobalt for Tesla batteries or something like that, you know, 
just say that if I was doing that, um, I probably don't have time to think about which of the 72 freaking genders that I am. Do I, you know, it's just, it, it doesn't, it doesn't really match up well, you know, to like the working or warrior class even. Um, and then when it creeps into that though, that's, that's, that's the ultimate sign of the, the bad stuff happening, which if you look at our modern military in the U S whole oh boy, I don't know what it's like over there uh, where you're at, buddy, but it's getting weird over here. Oh, it's, oh, it's, yeah, it's still, it's, it's pretty bad over here Yikes. as well. Yeah, it's, um, we, we're up to about 1,400 oh, no. um, genders with, I think the RAF were wishing for their personnel to learn all the pronouns, every pronoun um, that's used um, and any incorrect usage of pronouns or misgendering as the modern colloquial term is uh, is um would would obviously result in a uh, sort of dishonorable discharge from from the Unless we got people in our country that don't know what continent they're on brother i watched this whole fleckus talks thing today <laughs> that john henry sent me and i i swear to you sir they, they've interviewed a bunch of people i hope it's a work i hope it was fake i hope it was the fakest thing ever made it's not it's I'm just sad. Not. <laughs> I'm really sad that I even watched. You know, in, in Silas, uh, <laughs> they just released um, a training video for our United States Navy on how to handle gender and pronoun um, pronouns. And you know, it's really extraordinary to get to that point because you know I can't watch a YouTube video without there being some type of advertisement <clears throat> with either uh, transgender uh, pronoun centric. Um, you know, gay couples, whatever it is. I mean, it's just, you know, it doesn't stop. It is so heavily advertised now. And, you know, when you look at Jordan Peterson, as an example, in, you know, Canada, if you misgender somebody, you can actually get a prison sentence now for that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we get <laughs> it's it's about seven years here. It's about seven years. Oh, um, man, it's anything for quote, quote, stirring up hatred, um, which is obviously a vague term. Yeah, obviously. So to uh, ramp up the well, well, to keep people in a, a state of fear uh, around what they're saying and uh, how they're self censoring. Yeah, I mean that's how you get people to self censor. You yeah. beat the other dissidents in front of them and you say, "Hey, look, this is what happens to you if you end up thinking or something, you know, without our without our consent." Because you know that's how it works. <laughs> But, uh, and speaking of which, like arbitrary numbers, even like, uh, seven, I, I used to say things like those are arbitrary, but like, uh, there, there might be some sort of significance to that. Uh, do you mind telling us of how you got into the Kabbalah and then this geometria stuff? Because that, that's, that, that's something I'd really like to have you explain to the audience, my friend. In terms of Kabbalah, um, so in- Looking at the, the cyclical nature or the cyclical nature of, of this decline, I, I saw that there was a cabal at the forefront of it. I theorize that there's a cabal at the forefront of them all um, because they seem to take, they, they can't all be natural, they seem to take the same sort of pathway of disintegration. Um, so. Once I looked at the sort of political or the overt political reasoning behind this collapse, the cabal that is, I wondered how could conspirators, 
um, very ambitious conspirators, probably psychopaths. Let's be honest with what they're doing. They're clearly, clearly psych- psychopathic to uh, quite a degree. We endorse that statement. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, they have to have a, a religious unifying motif um, surrounding their actions to, to keep them from essentially like the Ouroboros eating each other, yeah. you know, devouring each other with their It doesn't ambition. rhyme that way without being on so, purpose somewhere, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so that I, I just got into Kabbalah on that. Um, I actually don't, I, I couldn't tell you how. I just stumbled across it. I started reading um, their sort of eschatology, you know, their end times prof- uh, prophecies. Um, and it just, I mean, it just, <laughs> it mirrored exactly what was going on um, and what what was sort of the, the dream that you see Harari, Yuval Noah Harari pushing, this idea of AI um, sort of bio-digital infusing of man the transhuman agenda uh, so it, it married up entirely okay. with what I was uh, the blend of the material, I think, as you would put it, you know, the, uh, the, the taking man away from his essence, you know, being birthed or being, you know, sort of created from God and then melding it with its own, you know, perverse uh, interpretations of what the universe is, right? Because anybody's interpretation other than the, I guess the ultimate version of what's happening or the objective world or the universe and what have you. Um, anything else besides that, you're, you're just, you're, you're chasing something in the wrong direction. You're not, you're not utilizing the gift that you've been given. You're, you're actually, you're sailing, uh, in the, in, in, in to, over the falls, you know, you're not going, you're not going the right way if that's happening. So, um, it, it makes sense that, um, not only do you see the rhyming happen there, but then also when you start to put um, some of the, I guess, like modern interpretations of the Bible into it too, because like I, 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 you see a lot of those parallels, my friend, and you draw a lot from that knowledge base that you have. Um, so maybe tell us, uh, with this transhumanist stuff, like you mentioned Noah Harari, um, when you have people like him, uh, is there... Is there a biblical type of comparison that you can make to what they're doing, or does it go like beyond that? Is it is it really something into like the ancient uh, realms that you get into there that explains it better, or like what what sort of like makes this sort of modern scenario with AI and this uh, trans biomechanical crazy you know conspiracy? Uh, what what what's out there that kind of compares to this? In terms of Kabbalah, it would be the Adam Kadmon, which is a state of a, a transcendent state. It's it's akin to God being God being immaterial. So it's it's where the physical being is done away with. Again, it's this idea of the singularity AI, where man and his spiritual essence takes on a sort of digital or binary form. Or you know, something along those lines. Um, in terms of Revelation, th- th- now this is the really distorted thing. If you read Revelation uh, 14.1, one, 
they discuss the 144,000 souls that are saved on the outset of tribulation, essentially. They, they, the Kabbalists would believe that they are the ones who are the spiritual, spiritually enlightened, who are the, uh, they use this word, uh, or the, the English form of the word, uh, the Godhead. They are the Godheads. They are those who are closer to God, of God, um, and we are all unclean spirits. Uh, as More human say, than human. <laughs> we are. Yes, exactly. Even even Harari oh, discusses yeah. it. Um, he, he discusses it outright that there will be a class of useless Homo sapiens slum dweller slum dwellers. He uses that word um, in the future, where the rich will have really will have something to spend all their inordinate amounts of uh, cash on. Um, you know, bio digital infuse uh, uh, enhancements, if you will. Um, and the rest of us will be basically a slave class until full automation comes along um, <laughs> and they do away with us entirely um, it's, obviously I don't believe they're, they're going to succeed it's, it's absolutely insane um, the whole thing's insane really you can see it with what they're doing in society in general I mean if anyone can say anything that's happening in society any developments at all uh, has the slightest modicum of sanity behind it, um, need to check themselves into a mental asylum very very quickly. <laughs> it's all yeah. insane. I'm glad very you keep insane. the optimism, though. <laughs> Sorry, John Henry, but yeah, I'm, <laughs> after all that, <laughs> okay. I'm glad you, you're just like, it's not going to succeed, though, because I'm, I'm with you on that. And I think, from John Henry, you, you, you feel me on that, too. But go ahead and say what you were going to say, John Henry. The metaverse. You know, as you went through that, Silas, that's the first thing that pops into my head, right? Is uh, Zuckerberg, the Kabbalist, and is the metaverse the the current format that they are making an effort to utilize to achieve that goal? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's um, Harari discusses it. Uh, what will we do if all the board's masses, the, what we don't need? Um, well, of course, we know what they're doing. They're um, culling them via, via pharmacological means, but um, for the ones who survive, he discusses what will they do? They, they'll, you know, they'll be so bored. It'll be full automation, you know? Um, a post-scarcity society. Um, and that's the one thing that really, that's what they believe binds uh, civilization together. It's why they hate nature so much, because nature really is abundance, uh, free abundance. The only way to have civilization is to, or the only way to, to induce uh, a rigid hierarchy as we see with civilizations is to impose uh, scarcity, artificial scarcity. Obviously that's done through th fiat currency in the contemporary period, but um, yeah, obviously I'm getting on a tangent, but digressing back to the metaverse, he discusses that we'll, we'll give them drugs and video games to keep them anesthetized uh, to the dystopian world that we're creating um, but yeah the metaverse is, is absolutely insane that if you look at Unreal 5 the, the, the new game engine the graphics on it are I mean quite a leap forward um, for anyone that's unfamiliar with 
sort of graphical software, 3D rendering software. Um, it's all based around polygons. All the forms that you see on the screen are based around polygons. Un- Unreal Engine 5 essentially uses Nanite technology, which in essence equates to you use less polygons, so you, you, lose, um, you use less memory and you achieve a higher graphical fidelity, um, which obviously leads into simulation, the metaverse, makes it uh, feasible in terms of the technology that we have now, computer technology, that is. I mean, we, uh, in my opinion, whether or not this is already established and we're just not aware yet, but my feeling is that we are a short time away from an inability to discern between something like that metaverse because of the graphics and reality. And, you know, that's where uh, you get a lot of those conspiracies of, are we already there? Is this already a simulation? And, you know, that's fully disconnecting from what it is to be human. You know, uh, I think what you're saying about nature is brilliant because nature is sustainability. Uh, you look historically with mankind, right? You you look now, the fact that, you know, in, in South and Central America and, you know, islands throughout the Pacific, you know, there's still tribes that live in the Stone Age and they are fully able to sustain just based on nature as a resource. And, you know, when you were discussing the fiat currency, you know, another control mechanism uh, is absolutely food shortages. I mean, here in the U.S., we have seen some pretty crazy stuff going on. You know, the big one lately has been formula for children. Um, there has been a tremendous amount of livestock facilities that have been destroyed. Um, it, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's things that they just continue to happen over and over and over and over. And that really is, you know, that's. When they eliminate our ability to be self-sustainable, then that's where the full dependency comes from. And obviously, in, in my opinion, and based on you know what we discuss every week here on the show, I mean that really is the objective. You know, you look at now synthetic meats. You know, there's a big push for that. We discussed on an episode recently synthetic breast milk, um, eating bugs. Uh, I know in the UK uh, they just finished the first um, <laughs> the bug facility for consumption for humans and animals. So you know that's one of the things that we talk about a lot on the show is the utter importance of knowing how to sustain yourself, whether it's through the means of hunting, farming, growing your own vegetables. I mean that is absolutely critical. Um, you know, and then we reference the Matrix a lot where. You get to that point where we're just in nutrient-rich goo, <laughs> you know, and, and don't really know anything uh, outside of that because our perception is that is reality. My favorite goo it. flavor is cookie dough. Just saying. Right. But Silas, <laughs> if you want to answer any of that, sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's it goes back to their, essentially they're attempting to detach us from nature um, because in, in nature, they can't control us because, in essence, they can't control nature. So, therefore, they have to create a, a similitude, a simulacrum of nature, um, wherein they can control, obviously, the metaverse. Uh, this, this is the contemporary example of this. This will be developed in years to come, obviously, if they don't collapse. Um, 
where they can control all the variables of this new world. And as you're saying, we'll be nothing more than a human resource to to be used and abused um, and disposed of uh, when we become a liability. Um, so yeah, this is the problem with highly technological or highly developed or advanced societies. You, I mean, once the oligarchic class have the technology to dispose of mass numbers of people relatively cheaply and easily, um, they will do so uh, once they have technology viable enough to control the, the remaining few uh, psychologically and what have you. We're already seeing nanotechnology that can uh, essentially control people's minds via uh, frequency devices. There's medical studies on that uh, right now. They're studying it within uh, rat, rats and mice. Um, but obviously that's all public. This is all public information, so y- it makes you wonder where, where are the military at this point in terms of oh, their that technology. that gets into some scary territory, you betcha. Um, a couple, couple of the things there, too. Um, for one, I listened to a great segment this week that talked a lot about this. I believe it was on David Knight's show. And they were talking about, you know, just the merging of maybe a neural link with the metaverse type of thing. Because the problem that you have with stimulation, anything, is getting the same ratios that the human, you know, meat vehicle can sort of interpret. So if you can just hijack the existing system, that's probably the best route to go if you want to, you know, supercharge the whole thing. What, what do you think of that? Like, where are we getting there with uh, the biomechanical, like it being part of us or like a symbiotic, you know, sort of like uh, Ray Kurzweil talks about it in more of a optimistic way. Um, but but where, where, where are we going with that sort of, uh, you know, territory? Oh, no, you're absolutely correct. It's, um, I discussed it within my first book right at the end. It's a section titled uh, The Cybernetic Truth. Um, what we're seeing in terms of AI, even Harari, his uh, sort of intellectual view, his transhumanist view, um, really derives from cybernetics. Cybernetics itself, pardon me, derives from uh, the X Club within London, which essentially pushed uh, Darwinian evolution, even social Darwinism. Uh, or proto-social Darwinism at the time as well. That, in turn, goes back to Kabbalah. Kabbalah itself goes back to even, you know, further back mystery traditions and what have you in the Near East, Greece, uh, ancient Egypt. And it has um, a link to eugenics, yes? Like, is there a Galton Institute direct oh yeah, link? Like, oh yeah. you know, Bill Gates' dad type of stuff well, that's going an, on That's with another that? thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so, for example, Aldous Huxley... Uh, and Julian Huxley, obviously, mm-hmm. Julian Huxley being uh, a UN personnel member. Uh, I forget what department he founded now. Something to do with culture within the UN. But anyway, uh, pardon me, his grandfather was part of the X Club. He was one of the main champions or you know, pri- primary proponents of uh, social Darwinism and Darwinism. Uh, uh, Darwinian evolution in the early days. He primarily funded Darwin as well, him and the rest of his cronies. But 
Yeah, so it, it's yeah, it's familiarly linked wow. as well. Yeah. So we have come full circle to uh, eugenics, uh, back to Margaret Sanger and uh, Roe versus Wade, where we started <laughs> to to this part of our conversation. So um, um, at this point, Silas, um, can you can you break some stuff down for us, like of of some of the other? Uh, I know that you sent me some notes and some things that you wanted to go over. So is, is there something that you wanted to kind of? point out or explain to the audience that we can, we can give you some time to do that. Well, discussing in terms of uh, Gematria and Kabbalah, um, I'll go through some of the JPEGs that, that I had. Um, that sort of will give you a brief overview of the cyclical nature of what I was discussing. Um, sort of what, what they're looking at here. Uh, what we're looking at here, pardon. Um, it's it's pretty much tied in with astrotheology. So what's found within the macrocosm is typically found within the micro. Pardon me, find, found within the mi- uh, microcosm. So what's found within the celestial bodies is typically uh, reflected within human beings and in terms of human beings, their psychology, thus their social constructs, uh, that being civil- civilization. Um, so in terms of Kabbalah, Kabbalah is an exegetical form. So that means an interpretation or a way of interpreting the Torah or the Old Testament. Um, though there is Christian Kabbalah that interprets the New Testament as well. Um, that's, that's less uh, well known than obviously the, the, the Jewish and Islamic forms. But um, primarily, Gematria ties in with that. Via uh, John one one, in discussing the Word of God, obviously the Old Testament have has similar passages as well. Um, so the Word of God really d- links in with frequency and the frequency based universe. So everything we see is frequency. What, what we're speaking right now is it's all based on frequency. Frequency itself is merely sine waves, um, obviously cosine waves as well in terms of the amplitude, but um, Gematria derives from the Kabbalistic idea of the 231 gates. So the idea of the gates is really uh, the, the intersection. So if you were to put the 22 Hebrew letters in a circle and you were to intersect each one, that would be, it would, it would equate to two, uh, 231 mm-hmm. gates. So obviously, 231 is a triangular number. It's the 22nd triangular number. <laughs> Coincidence, of course. Um, it's all really based on triangular numbers, so in natural factorials, because that is the mathematical architecture that proves the existence of a creator, the existence of God, really. It all derives from a singular common source, that which is largely, and, pardon me, largely indivisible from itself. Um, so to go through some of the JPEGs, um, we'll start with, where shall we start? I'll share my screen. Sorry, my voice is breaking It's okay. Up. <laughs> I was worried about myself. And then maybe I, I put the bad juju on you, my friend. I was like, my sinus has been killing me now. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> yeah. over there. Contagious sinus. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah, I, yeah, John Henry just got over COVID, <laughs> folks. So he's like, <laughs> well, Silas, I was dying for about a month. <laughs> oh no! Every single, every single show. 
lot of editing. Yeah, we don't have a cough button here. We don't have that professional of a setup. It's it's called I just do a lot of editing. (laughs) That's good. Please edit that. I'll I'll do as much as I can. (laughs) Yeah. Um. You. Oh no! Wait. Hold on. Went on the wrong one. There you go. There we go. So, in terms of this, um, obviously you can see, and I, I, I utilize a lot of Hebrew. Um, so, Hebrew, just straight up Hebrew gematria. Um, so, in terms of gematria, the, the various ciphers uh, primarily uh, center around, apologies, primarily center around. Um, Ascribing numbers to the various letters of the alphabet. Now, obviously, you have reverse ordinal, uh, you know, a, a sort of orthodox ordinal and what have you. Uh, ordinal just means in terms of what way the alphabet is going uh, forward and back. And you have various other ciphers. I, I mainly stick to okay. the basic ones. So I started us- utilizing Kabbalah primarily as a way to make sense or to supplement my studying of uh, Kabbalah. Um, So in terms of uh, Hebrew, the the letters also act as numbers themselves within, uh, I guess, the language. So obviously it lends itself very well to the matria or ascribing values to the letters because the letters are already in, them, in and of themselves, values. So in terms of just this, if we look at, this is obviously the four horsemen. So the four horsemen concept primarily... Uh, okay, I'm going to try to blow up your window zodiac. here, and then let's see if you can share your screen again, Silas, because I think we lost the uh, visual. Oh, yeah. yeah. There we go. Yeah, it, it's back, it back now. Here? Sorry, buddy. Yeah, there we go. So the four horsemen concept primarily... Um, details the, the, the zodiacal points. Um, so you have four, you have two equinoxes. So that's the 21-6, the summer solstice, that which we've just yeah. passed. And the winter solstice, the 21-12 or 12-21, depending on uh, where you are. Um, and then you have the, the, the autumnal equinox and the spring equinox. That's obviously the horizontal lines. Typically, if, if anyone's familiar with the uh, Cairo um, Christian or Orthodox Christian symbol, uh, the, the horizontal line would be, and, and always typically is, the Alpha Omega. You, you see that within the uh, William Blake okay. painting, uh, the Ancient of Days. Ancient of Days is just another word for God, uh, or it has another Kabbalistic uh, meaning, but uh, we might not have time to get into that. And then you also have four seasonal points. So obviously there's eight points in total counting the seasons, four seasons. Um, to, to, to understand how this ties into earlier forms of religion, it all primarily centers around Saturn worship. So the star of Remphan, uh, forget, uh, I get the Old Testament verse and chapter now. Um, I'll have it, have it somewhere in my notes. 
it discusses the the, the, the Israelites had taken up the, the tabernacle of Moloch and the star of Remphan. Now, Remphan from Middle Persian primarily um, equates to a deity called Keva. Keva, in essence, is uh, Saturn, the Persian version of Saturn. Now, that sort of got me into what is Saturn? Um, well, Saturn is the, the god of the harvest, the god of time. Um, Obviously, that links very much so with the uh, revelation. Revelation, in and, in and of itself, is a, a mass harvest of souls, uh, a cleaning, uh, a cleaning house, if you will, uh, of of the unkempt souls. Um, I probably don't have time to go into John Dee's work and, and what have you, but uh, th- th- that's very important in terms of Kabbalah. This idea of the harvest harvest of souls, of revelation of the, the end times. So in terms of the zodiac, you can see as above, so below. Um, if anyone's familiar with Tesla, he discusses the the magnificent, uh, the magnificent, pardon me, the magnificence of uh, three, six, mm-hmm. and nine, uh, the, the sort of key to the universe. So that got me thinking, what, what did he mean by that? Well, if you look at the various dates of the autumnal equinox, the spring equinox, um, even the summer solstice, the winter solstice, um, it, it really can be boiled down to three, six, nine, three, nine, six. So as above, so below. I'm going to show you another graphic as well that will sort of uh, solidify that idea within your mind. Uh, I'll just find that now. So also, by the way, you'll also see. You can still see my screen right now, yeah. You can also see, obviously, the Antichrist is 369. That's in Hebrew. The false messiah, that would be the Islamic idea, the Al-Dajjal, that's 963. You see a lot of reversals within Gematria as well. Um, It seems it doesn't matter the configuration of the the numerals, Um, especially in Hebrew. It's still sort of... (laughs) Obviously, from uh, rabbinical sources, it still seems to confer the same sort of uh, uh, value or the same importance. Silas, if I may interject. Um, uh, real quick hmm? question. So, we just touched upon something historical today, and you're mentioning other historical things like uh, you have nine eleven here. You have the three eleven. Uh, the is there a significance to six twenty four, twenty twenty two? Like, would could that be possibly significant in in some t- sort of way like this? Because of those numbers. Well, if you if you if you look at the um, so I, I had an idea that they were going to have a the, the who meeting in terms of monkeypox was going to fall on either twenty one six or twenty two six. Um, funnily enough, I was wow. a day out. <laughs> uh, it was the twenty third. Um, you know, just massive cold yeah. winky dink. Um, in terms of the Ukraine invasion, back in November, I had an idea based upon my study of Kabbalah that it would have been uh, 2022. Uh, so I thought February the 2nd. Obviously, with UK and American dating times uh, or dating formats, uh, it was reversed. Um, so, and, and obviously, we have the month. Uh, the day first and then the month. You have the month and then the day first. 
So in, in essence, it turned out to be the 22nd of February 2022, 2-22-2022. Uh, uh, um, that's based around Kabbalah as well. Uh, in terms of the Adam Kadmon and what that values to. I don't have that in my notes, but uh, it's in previous uh, videos. Yeah, the I've repetition done. of numbers means um, a lot. Yeah. It's honestly, I, I don't know if it's either they're intentionally doing it, or as I'm saying, this is a cyclical, uh, a sort of natural cycle uh, of time and of uh, a source code, if you will. And it just keeps recurring as a sort of the mathematical architecture behind behind the creation. Uh, it could be that. Um, so I'll show you this other... Uh, oh, here we go. I'll just switch my screen now. Silas, can I ask you a, a quick question? Mm-hmm. So a few years ago, I was not familiar with Kabbalah. And there was a very strange um, occurrence of a lot of celebrities following Kabbalah. Uh, Madonna, Aston Kutcher, Demi Moore, Mia Kunis. Um, is there any thoughts that you have? Because obviously, you know, we talk quite frequently about, you know, the cabal as far as um, people in Hollywood and famous people. Is there any thoughts that you have on why that was suddenly this public thing that they were representative of? I, I would say on that, just uh, they're probably preempting um, the eventual study of Kabbalah. Um, because I, I, I've only started really looking at this maybe six, seven months ago. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm learning things every day. Um, and there's people that are f- obviously far more advanced than me in, in this, but probably they're preempting, uh, they're building the narrative, or they're, they're attempting to ensure that the public are, again, they're, they're seeded psychologically with the idea that uh, Kabbalah isn't, is in and of itself uh, you know, a positive thing, that the celebrities are doing it, of course they are the celebrated uh, individuals of our society, celebrated yeah. for what I, I'm still trying to work out. Uh, that's a total well, enigma to me. False they normalize things. <laughs> I, I agree with you. They, they make things normal. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's normal to wear your mask because Ashton Kush is going to wear his mask and he's going to get all of his. It was boosters. just odd because I remember <laughs> the, um, the red bracelets is what signified that they were followers yeah. of Kabbalah. I looked so into the, Oh, sorry to inter- uh, interrupt you. No, no, um, it's okay. In terms of the red bracelets, I was looking into that. That that seems to, to be a specific form of uh, Kabbalah uh, or Kabbalistic school of thought. Uh, it derives from Chabatism, uh, which typically derives from Poland in Eastern Europe. Um, I forget the Bible verse. It's an Old Testament verse that they utilize. Um. I forget it now. It's in my notes somewhere. Yeah, it's it's based around that. Not all Kabbalists wear red bracelets. Um, only only a select few do. And in terms of um, in terms of this other uh, graphic, it's all really based around. Uh, so as as I've been mentioning, the mathematical architecture of the, the universe. You'll see this uh, idea of one three seven as well. 
um, obviously 144 is, as you can see, um, mid-right um, beside the properties of 137. Um, if you look at Freemasonry, which Freemasonry in and of itself is essentially a, a sort of Christian or Protestant offshoot of Kabbalah, um, you see it within their, uh, their main symbol. Now, there's a lot to this symbol, of course. Um, but the main one is it's the, the golden section. Um, so the golden section is based off the golden ratio. People are probably familiar with that, uh, 1.618. Uh, you can see uh, the, it's denoted by theta. You can see the formula there for it. Um, in, t in terms of the golden ratio, it's seen within the entirety of the universe. Um, and it seems to crop up everywhere within uh, the occult as well, uh, along with other numbers, uh, or irrational or uh, irrational constants such as uh, pi or uh, Euler's uh, totient function and Euler's uh, number as well. Um, so in te I, I forget where I got this, uh, the above. Um, I think it's called a magic uh, number box. Um, in, in our gilded server, uh, there's, there's an individual far more versed in mathematics than me. Uh, he, he put forth this, uh, this uh, above um, magic number box. Each line, uh, each vertical and horizontal line, all add up to 15. Uh, we, we don't have time to get into it today, but I, I see the number 15 and 51 a lot in uh, the monkeypox event. And you can see that within my new videos on it as well. So in terms of, um, you can see it as well, the, the same 369. I'll show you another graphic that will tie it all together. But you see it 1378, which is 233s. That's, the, that's how an 8 is constructed. Uh, 9 and 6. Um, so again, 3, 6 and 9, or 33, 6 and 9. Again, the zodiac. Uh, in terms of the Freemasonry symbol, uh, so I, I, I checked this, it is actually 47 degrees at the top and 90 degrees at the bottom, or 47 degrees at the, the active role, the, the male part, the, the uh, compass, um, and 90 degrees at the square, of course, uh, square 90 degrees. Add them together, you get 137. Uh, the, the tetragrammaton, if anyone's familiar with that, uh, yod he vah -he, or the Hebrew name for not really a name, more, more a title uh, for, for Yahweh or God. Again, that can be read as uh, pi times seven um, slash pi to the power of, or divided by pi, pi to the power of uh, seven, um, which again equates to, if you do the maths, comes to 137.314 dot, 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 dot. So again, 137. If you look at 137 as well, this is probably the significance of the number 33 within the occult. Uh, 137 is um, uh, the 33rd prime of the Fibonacci uh, sequence. It's the 11th number, um, which typically could tie into 9-11. You know, 3 times 3 is 9, 9-11. Uh, we obviously had COVID on 3-11. There's other significances to that event as well and the dating of it. Um, but funnily enough, the number after 137 in the Fibonacci sequence is 144. So obviously, I've made reference to previously Revelation 14.1.
which is the 144,000 souls that are saved at the outset of the tribulation or um, before the, the, the onset of the harvest, if you will, within Revelation. That is the 12th prime number. Again, there's 12 segments to the, to the zodiac uh, or the cyclical um, sort of illustration of the cyclical pattern of time. Yeah, that's what comes after that movement. Um, Makes sense. <laughs> Yeah, if you're going to yeah, think about yeah. it, if you have the, what is it, the um, the 137 representing, you know, God or whatever, then the, the, the soul, then whatever's past that would, would be represented there. But, yeah, that's exactly it. What 137 would be sort of creation, and then 144 would be destruction. Huh. You see a lot of these um, dualisms. Um, of course, life itself is uh, dualistic, life and death. Um, I get into that in a lot of my videos. Um, they, each is sort of a paradox; it cancels each other out. Um, so again, we'll we'll just go through uh, some of these graphics. Um, I have it's organized chaos in terms it's of okay, my notes. Man. I get it. <laughs> I sometimes have to sit and just take some hours to just organize the stuff on my computer. <laughs> I can even function. <laughs> I'm the same. Yes, it's just oh, it's so. Now, much do you stuff. take hand notes like when you're learning this stuff, or do you just right into right into a computer or something like that? Because I find that hand notes sometimes help me grasp some things. Um, I I I pre so I I put a lot of this. The reason I put it in book form is sort of books are sort of like a oh. journal. Um, so I keep the tabs open, and then I just um, sort of discuss the ideas that are present within uh, the research. Um, funnily enough, the videos and the books are sort of for mm. myself to just keep a record um, of everything I'm learning up to this point, to sort of solidify it. I can appreciate that. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's the beautiful thing about what we get to do here and, and making this kind of content, and like preserving it for history. Uh, to see, you know, so people can look back and be like, okay, well, what were what were these people thinking, and then what what were the dissidents thinking at the time? <laughs> That's it. Yeah, I, I'd written my first book as a sort of putting the epilogue of it. Um, this is just sort of to show <laughs> if it survives. This is just a, another record of of, of what, what went basically yeah. down um, at the end of this. Uh, cycle or civilization or what have you um if you're seen on the screen right now i, I don't know which one uh, is we have the tesla in yep. his laboratory uh, that's the one i'm seeing i'll show you this one so and t as you can see obviously that links this links with um tesla i forget what this is actually called but it, it shows you the various um derivative numbers that if you add each you know component number individually it adds up to the number uh, at the beginning of the sequence and um, so you see some strange numbers with three mm -hmm. six and nine again we're seeing 12 and 21 uh, i don't have time probably won't have time to get into that but again that links with uh, a hebrew letter called the shin again the shin is typically pictographically uh, translated as to devour or to destroy, um, of course, links with Revelation. 
So you have 369 again as well. You can probably make out the Freemasonry symbol within that as mm-hmm. uh, too. So now, now we'll get on to Tesla. Oh, okay. <laughs> there we go. So I found this very strange when I was uh, researching this um, for the show, actually. So again, we have the eight directions of, uh, I guess, 3D, uh, 3D spatial environment uh, of creation itself. And I'll get into that, how uh, that ties in with the word of God or frequency. Um, but you see in this uh, picture, um, Tesla, uh, I forget what this is actually called. Uh, yeah, there we go, a spiral coil. Uh, it was used in his wireless power experiments. Um, it's the same sort of zodiacal wheel, um, which is, I mean, very peculiar um, in and of itself. Um, you can see as well the sort of value of nine. So Pythagoras put forth, uh, you can see the triangle right at the bottom, put forth what he termed the perfect uh, triangle, which was essentially uh, uh, theta divided by one or theta being the golden ratio, one divided by the golden ratio or vice versa. So again, uh, 108, which is nine, three, six, which is nine, uh, 36 as well as a strange number in terms of Revelation uh, thirteen eighteen, or here is wisdom let him who hath uh, understanding count the number of the beast for it's the number of man 666 um, so very, very strange as well um, so we'll get on to in terms of cycles uh, and how this links with essentially what we're seeing right now um, I'll get this other one open I was going to ask you about that too, because uh, it popped is- into my brain. Um, mm-hmm. I, I have a phrase that I've been using here on the show for a while that the, there are no coincidences. And in your opinion, and since we're talking about the cyclical nature of these things, are there coincidences? In your opinion, <laughs> I, I try to. I try to. Obviously, I, I keep and I bear in mind that that I could be. The more you look into something, the more biased you may become. Um, but I mean, this is what sort of deterred me from looking into Matria in the beginning. Obviously, I didn't have the basis of Kabbalah uh, to understand the significance of it. Um, but I mean, there's just so many patterns with the numbers that, and in, in, in some of the terminology that they create in terms of their narratives um, and the numbers they produce in Hebrew and in English. That I mean, at a point it goes beyond coincidence, um, but you know, bear bear in mind that all of this. I mean, I could have confirmation bias, um, so we must obviously bear that in mind. Uh, I even allude to it within my videos as well. Um, you know, we must always have, uh, you know, uh, within our minds, doubt yeah. essentially that, that this is coincidence. Um, as you can see on the screen now, this sort of links in, um, and, and, and we'll, we'll get into it, but this is essentially a sine and the cosine rule. <clears throat> so in mathematics, cosine is, a sim- is essentially a sort of a function of trigonometry that determines the amplitude of a wave. Sine is that which determines the, 
the length of it, if you will. It, it links in with the circle. So as you can see, and again, this is how Tesla showed um, both time and electromagnetic waves, which he said uh, were vertical. Um, as you see, the wave fits exactly with the sort of movement of the circle, sort of turning of the wheel. And, and you see a lot of this with the fertility cults. You see it with Saturn as well. They're always linked to the wheel. Uh, hence the harvest, hence time. Um, funnily enough, there's a connection as well with skull and bones. We don't have, probably don't have time to get into all the numbers that equate to, to them. Obviously, 322 being the main one. But um, all of their photographs, you know, they're, in terms of their class uh, of whatever given year, they're always at the apex of the photograph um, and the way they are configured in the photograph. Um, at the, it will create a sort of pyramid shape. Um, the main four people at the front and at the top will always be uh, the clock, time. Um, which is very strange when, when obviously you start looking at Saturn being the god of time and all the various other fertility gods uh, linked to Saturn being as well linked to time, linked to the zodiac, linked to seasons, and, and at the end of the cycle, linked to the harvest. Um, so again, this is a sort of occult understanding of political nature of civilizational rise, a civilizational a rise and a civilizational fall um, in essence. Well, I really like that uh, last graphic that you showed because it's basically what I look at when I'm looking at an audio program. Like when you're talking about those waves and how they work and also you know, just John Henry and I, we, we both love music. Um, so when you, when you talk about, say, 4-4 as a, as a time signature, like the, the relation to the human heartbeat, like the way that we walk, our gait, our, our rhythm, our, just the rhythm that you carry in your life. Like there is something that is like sort of inherent in other things in life like that. Like there's, you, you, can, you can relate it to your physical self. You can relate it to how a car works. Um, you can relate it to machinery and, and things of that nature. You, you can relate it to the seasons. Um, there's just like seeing those uh I don't know. I guess connections is something that John Henry and I do a lot on the show. We, we try and point out those connections and the similarities that we see in the other things that we know to try and make sense of it. And I think what you brought up there too, that you were a little, you know, scared of jumping into something like this. And I get that because like the, the complexities that can lie there um, are not only deep, but then also like not knowing necessarily what you are jumping into. Like when you're jumping into something occult like this and you're jumping into something that's just, you know, you're, you're not just walking along at your grocery store and there's a tabloid with something like, you know, check out the gematria of, of, of this, you know, latest uh, thing and how it relates to revelation and other things. Like you don't really get that a lot, at least in the grocery stores around where I'm at. John Henry, how about you? You getting that out there? <laughs> they putting that in the papers. <laughs> Not, not that I've noticed. No, no. so like, I think it's beautiful to be able to have you on to kind of explain these sort of things to us because I, I think a lot of people are scared away from even like the conspiracy theory term 
itself, just the label being placed on them, let alone even looking at the information. Like it's hard enough to overcome social stigmas these days, especially online. Um, and, and the pressure that's that's put upon people, and I can only imagine for the younger generations that are trying to explore and find out what truth is, and and find out what's really going on in the world. If they're starting to doubt what they're being told in their classrooms, and doubt what they're being told, you know, from their government. Um, so I, I'm I'm proud of you, man. I'm I'm glad that you jumped into something like this because I've learned a hell of a lot so far, and I've learned a lot from the notes that you sent me and everything. So it's much appreciated, man. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, it's again. I'm still sort of uncovering it as uh, um, as I go along, um, and I'm not as well versed in this as uh, as I am with obviously the political uh, um, angle of it or the overt political. Well, that's great angle too. It. You know, it's, it's good um, to have that diversity. You know, in in your game <laughs> that you could delve into something like that. Yeah. Um, and shout out to that guy that came up with the magic number box. Because I am sure that that dude is fascinating. <laughs> oh yeah, he he goes into uh, the idea of matrices as well. Um, he, he's an engineer okay. by trade. Um, so he's, I mean, ov- obviously, in terms of he's my at least in the right field. He's not like making smoothies I, or some shit. <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, in terms of my background, obviously, he's way beyond. What I'm doing mainly, I I de- uh, base everything around you know arithmetic calculations. He's actually using uh, sort of mathematical, um, uh, uh, not tricks, but mathematical um, functions and what have you. Um, yeah, it's it's, it's it's very. I mean, it, this is very complex, and it, it does prove um, you know to anyone out there, it, it does prove that uh, there is a common. Sp- Common origin to to uh, the cosmos, and it had to be conscious, um, or consciousness to consciousness in a way that uh, is incomprehensible to us. But it's also um, it's sort of it's it's linked to to our own consciousness, but it's higher. If that makes sense, yeah, John Henry. Actually, we, we talk yeah. a lot about some spiritual stuff on the show, and we're not necessarily a religious show of any sorts. But John Henry, would how do you feel about th- those comparisons of finding that cyclical nature? Is that is that what you experience in 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 your life and in your studies with these things too? <laughs> you know, it goes back to that coincidence question that you asked, um, Silas. And to me, it all comes back to grand design, right? And which obviously, well, who is the grand designer? (laughs) And when you look at, um, you know, the golden ratio, and as Silas said, how that occurs everywhere in nature, you know, those are the things that there's actually a really good video uh, about that. Um, I've mentioned on the show before, it's something about atheism, you know, but they go deep into that with how it is impossible that there's no grand designer, you know, and those are just things that for me on a personal level, you know, reiterate to me, my faith, right? Because as non-believers always say, well, show me proof. Well, when you can say, okay, let me show you this, it's called the golden ratio, and it literally naturally occurs in all of nature in existence. You know, those are 
subtleties that, in my opinion, speak a tremendous amount of volume. You know, and as Silas is going through, and thank you so much for all of that, Silas. I mean, that's just phenomenal um, information for us. And, and thank you for that education uh, in going through that. But I think it, one of the things that people really miss, right, or just candidly, or they don't want to believe is the prevalence of occultism in organizations. And we're not just talking about skull and bones, the Freemasons, but organizations in mass from the dawn of time. Um, you know, it's, and when you look at it, you know, to me, that is always that reminder of our perpetual battle of good versus evil in that, you know, these organizations well, they, there's a source for that, but, you know, and I know it, as we talked about Saturn and a lot of people that worship Saturn, there's a correlation to Moloch and, and Satan and all of these things. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it really is, uh, again, one, that reiteration or reminder to me of that, the grand designer and the importance of having faith in that, but also reminding, <laughs> you know, myself on a personal level of what's out there and really, you know, that, you know, is we talked about war earlier, right? I mean, this is an, an eternal war, and to me, this is certainly a war worth fighting. And it just reminds me of the importance that we have to do that because so many people don't understand that they're being manipulated and they're being brainwashed. And you know, one of the things that you know you hear a lot is symbolism. Symbolism will be their downfall, and in that evil and in that. You know, the occult realm symbolism is extremely important to them because part of that is they have to be blatant with their doings and blatant with their beliefs. And a lot of times just in, and again, symbolisms for, you know, we saw that a lot with, you know, companies as an example. So in their logos and really what is their identity and then who is it that started that organization? So, yeah, I, I mean, to everything that Silas said, and, and again, in my you know, the short answer is, uh, you know, those are the things that certainly confirm my faith um, in a grand designer, in a creator, because again, it's there. So, you know, people don't want to believe that, um, but that in itself is absolutely proof that there's a grand designer. Oh, I absolutely agree. Yeah, I have to admit, I came from, I came from an atheistical background and. Obviously, I, I left atheism a, quite a, a long time ago. Um, but it was, I mean, this, this is sort of just, it's proved it to me beyond the shadow of a doubt that there is, um, I mean, even just some of the ideas surrounding, uh, we can comprehend. I mean, even, even the, the sort of reductionist science that you see, it's, it's sort of hypocritical in a sense because, because we can comprehend the laws. Uh, lack of a better term, the laws of nature and the laws of the cosmos um, and, and determine it via mathematical um, and also other theoretical uh, other theoretical uh, means we, there has to be there has to be consciousness, consciousness has to predate the cosmos because we can comprehend it and there has to be a consciousness that created this cosmos that is uh, not compre totally comprehensible to us, but is similar in vain to us because we can comprehend its, its work, 
that it's put forth. Um, I, I discussed that in a couple of couple of my videos. Um, funnily enough, there was an atheist uh, on on one of the comments on Bitshoot uh, on one of those videos, um, and where I was discussing, you know, some of the proofs for as you as you say, uh, John, the, the idea of grand design, um, and. He says, I'm 80 years old and I thought I had it all sussed out. Um, you know, he's an atheist. And uh, he says, now, now I'm sort of thinking. <laughs> I mean, there's never time to turn thinking, around. Yeah, never not time to turn that around, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, th- I thought that was, I mean, 80 years old is obviously quite a, <laughs> is, is quite, a quite an age to, to start questioning uh, something you've held. I believe, I believe you've the held. saying is uh, there's no such thing as an atheist in a fox. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Deathbed atheism exactly. doesn't really. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the thing I wanted to bring up too, like uh, with you, Silas, since we have you here. Um, I, I like that you shared that about your background because I think that, um, you know, a, a lot of us that have found our way to these alternative media circles have found our way here because at some point something just didn't make sense to us. And a lot of us too, like get swept into those other alternative lifestyles that could be atheism. It could be a whole bunch of other crazy things that'll lead you down the wrong path potentially too in life. Like that, that imagine that man, you know, if somebody had wised him up to some of this stuff, like 60 years ago, you know, when he was 20, how much of a different life could he have had? Like the, the ripple effect of that, the, the fact that we're the life, and you've mentioned this in some of your writings too. I've noticed that, you know, that, that life is always in motion. It's always that forward moving, you know, type of presence that's there. Um, and in that moment, like in our present, that's all we do have. Like the, the past, the past and the future and those types of things, those are, those are conceptual types of things. But if you really want to talk about the true life, the true, you know, essence of God, that it's, it, it's in the presence, it's in the now, you know, so if you can, if you can turn somebody around, if you can smarten them up as to what's going on in the universe earlier on in their life, when they're not 80, the, the amount of good that somebody can accomplish in 60 years, heck, if you've grabbed a hold of this kind of stuff, you know, these kind of things in the past six months, you know, I'm, I'm going to give the average person at least a couple years to catch up and, and to get their act right, you know? So, I mean, I really appreciate you sharing that, man. It just shows that people can, you, you can be a diehard atheist and see something one day and go, oh man, I was wrong. <laughs> you know, quote David Byrne, my God, what have I done? <laughs> but uh, that's great, man. Um, let's, let's talk about some predictions. Because uh, I know that we, um, when we, when we study things like, like we've studied, uh, like anything in the occult or conspiracy realm, a lot of people like to throw predictions out there. And, you know, because you studied the cyclical nature of things, um, you can sort of predict where the pattern's about to go. Um, that's usually a test of people's, you know, intellect when they give you an IQ test or something like that. Yeah, predict where this pattern's going to go. You know, so for people like us to wind up in these alternative spaces that notice the, the patterns and notice the differences and what's real and what's not, um, where do you see, let's see, where do you see your own country? Where do you see your own country in a few years? Like what, what's, what's, what's happening there? On the UK. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's already faltering. Uh, uh, right now we, we're about two pound, two pound or so uh, for a liter of, of, of petrol. Um, 
which uh, what would that be? What would that be like equivalent eight dollars or something a oh, gallon? Dang, man, some, something like that. I think I think my maths is maybe a wee bit oh, off. It's like there, LA yeah, prices out of eight dollars yeah. a gallon. That's crazy. Yeah, LA prices. Yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I I can't see economically um, better in itself. Um, in in the you know very short short term. I, I mean. I, I can also see it. Um, there's a lot of political fracturing as well, so it, it will. Ser- I mean, honestly, I, I've got to be honest. I don't think the West will survive uh, this decade, and it's for, in the form that we know it, um, in this sort of consumerist, uh, uh, you know, quote quote capitalist. It's, it's not really capitalist, but uh, <laughs> was sort of colloquially termed as capitalism. No, you got that now. right. That's for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. Crony capitalism, I don't think that will exist either. Um, it, whatever happens, there's going to be a radical reformation um, of the world, of the geopolitical order, and of the domestic situation, uh, wherever one may, may be within this decade, de- definitely. Which, uh, funnily enough, um, if, if you look at America, um, and, and, and typically I, I Sir John Glubbs states this within his uh, short essay. Um, I think it's actually only 24 pages. It came out in the 50s. Um, I use it as one of the sort of uh, main central themes of my previous book. Um, he discusses um, the idea that empires and civilizations last for um, 10 generations, where each generation is 25 years. So that'd be about 200 years. Yeah, the fourth years. turning type of thing. Um, yeah. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Um, so America is a, the American quote quote empire is typically around about there. It, since it obviously began its, you know, uh, sort of outburst phase. Um, and it, it gets back to what you were saying um, uh, regarding, you know, people live an opulent lifestyle. So. <laughs> Essentially, they they don't really have to think about survival, so it goes to sort of ideas of self actualization and who am I and and these sorts of ideas, and then that can become distorted by uh, manipulators, psychological manipulators within uh, the oligarchic class. Um, well, not only that, but social media. Mm-hmm. Who do I want people to perceive me as? Exactly. And I think that's one of the things that is, is just broken us as humans is nothing is what it seems. You know, I mean, every picture of somebody online has a filter on it and it's, um, you know, as you talk about like, who am I? I don't even think people really know. Well, that's probably the transcendental you know, man type of stuff too. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, at this point, I mean, you look at it and, um, you know, it's like Kurzweil stuff. Uh, I mean, we're there in, in in a sense where people have become so dependent with their existence on technology. And, you mm-hmm. know, it's, it's funny as we go through these things, sometimes uh, just random things pop into my head, Silas. And, you know, when we were talking about uh, it, nature, and then, you know, looking at things like the metaverse, you know, it, we're at a point now where 
people don't even really recognize what nature is. And one of the first things, ironically, that pops into my head is when you see things like people try, and I've brought this up on the show before, you know, people taking selfies with bears <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and bison and subsequently being attacked because they don't realize that this is really what nature is. You know, when everything that you see and everything that you consume is through this digital filter, your perception of reality changes drastically. You know, and I love the fact that there's camps out there that basically uh, they they pull people out of this and like put kids in camps for 30 days where they have no access to the internet or their phones or, you know, TikTok or, or any of those things. And, you know, it's when it comes down to it, what makes me so sad is that there's an insurmountable amount of people out there that have no identity. If you stick them at a table in a coffee shop across from somebody and you're trying to have some type of, you know, fulfilling conversation, they're completely incapable of that because there is such a severe addiction and dependency now on things like social media. And, you know, when you look at it and you look at kind of the history of Facebook and the role that they've played and then transitioning over to the metaverse, I mean, it's amazing how dynamic the change has been to people, the ability to communicate, problem solve, critical think. You know, I remember years ago reading these articles about memory retention and how low the memory retention is in younger people now because they've always had the ability. You know, you were talking about when you got your access to the internet, right? So number six and I, you know, we didn't have the internet until we were, what, juniors, seniors in high school. And even then it was dial up that there really wasn't a whole lot, but trying to look at grainy, dirty pictures on there, <laughs> but I certainly wasn't learning about, um, the, any, you know, historical significance of events taking six hours place. to download a song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and going on LimeWire <laughs> <laughs> until, until Lars from Metallica got yep. that shut down. But you know, it's, it's just disheartening. Um, because for me, I think about, you know, what made me the person I am today. And, you know, I'm a very resourceful person. You know, I can do at least a little bit of most things. And I think because I, I wasn't distracted, right? The reality was if my car was broke and I didn't have the money to get it fixed, which was the case, I had to fix the damn thing. So, you know, now when we look at our younger generations, it, it's scary as we move forward because of how susceptible they are to that the dependency piece of it, right? Because when you look at just how dependent they are on something as simple as a cell phone, because their whole entire existence has really been a digital existence, not so much in person, you know, but I was, uh, you know, read that article about memory retention and then another one, and this one just, it, it, I couldn't believe it, but it's true, which was driver's license. So they did a comparison between, I believe it was 1986, and I think I read this article in maybe 2015, and it talked about that it was like, I want to say 75% less teenagers were getting their license at the age of 16 than they did in the 1980s because they don't care anymore. Because now they have Uber and their preference is to talk to their friends in some type of digital format, right? So whether it's as a gamer with a headset on, 
or FaceTime or whatever it may be. And I mean, I'll never forget reading the article because it just struck me or I'm like, man, when I was 15 years old, there was literally nothing on the planet that mattered more to me than the ability to get a driver's license and have that freedom to be able to go, whether it's get a job or do things I want to do or see my friends. And we're just so detached from that. And you know, the, the, the video that I had sent number six. So it's, um, we've referenced it on the show quite a bit on Instagram. That's, uh, the, the page is called Fleckus talks and they methodically interview younger people and ask them very simple questions, right? Who fought in the civil war? What continent are you on? Who's the president of the United States? And these kids have no idea. What's even worse is when they do those at colleges, which is quite often on his page. And they go to these, that's higher education. And these people cannot answer the simplest questions. And it is such a scary thing for me because I'm like, holy shit, that's our future. Like it, we can't rely on the, the mass of people that are this age to fight this fight. So that's why it's so much more important. And we talk so much about community on the show and finding people like yourself that are experts in areas that we're not, you know, what you just covered. I've loosely seen that type of data, right? But not nearly, I have such a better understanding now as you went through that. And it's so critical for us to do that for each other and really support each other and have that sense of community, right? Because that's what we have to share with not just one another, our peers, but also younger generations, because, you know, right now there's not a whole lot of hope for somebody that's 19 years old and cannot tell you what continent that they exist on. I mean, that it's just, it's a terrifying thing to see that. So yeah, just, um, you know, sharing this information and, and making sure that we're part of not just a community, but the community locally is so critical for everybody. Um, you know, obviously, you know, we're all very like-minded individuals or else you wouldn't listen to our show and, and Silas, you wouldn't be on it. You know, there's certainly going to be beliefs that we have that parallel one another, but it's just important that we continue this. Uh, it's, it's so critical. And, and that's really our responsibility. Um, cause there's a saying I like, there's three types of people, people that make shit happen, people that watch shit happen and people that wonder what the fuck happened. Right. And, and there's only one of those categories that we can fall in right now. And that, that genuinely is our responsibility to each other. And I would say, uh, too, with that, since you mentioned the younger generations, John Henry, uh, another question maybe to throw at you, Silas, here, if you don't mind. Um, where do you see the concept of ownership going? Because when John Henry was describing like all of our experiences in the past, like I owned my Sega Genesis, like I, I, I own certain things. Nowadays, you don't own the video game. You sign up, or you sign a user license agreement, and if you say something bad about the Chinese Communist Party, you're out of that video game, regardless of how many tens of thousands of dollars and hours that you put into it. Um, so, where do you where do you see that, Silas? Just to give your predictions of it. In in contrast to what, um, or in conjunction to what John uh, stated, he's absolutely correct. People are essentially already living in the metaverse. They are. Uh, blank slates, they're tabula rasas, they uh, I used the term within my previous book, um, uh, the plastic man, that they're just so malleable they can be literally moulded into whatever um, whatever shape um, and they always have sort of cliched personalities in a way they're sort of possessed but um, 
possessed by the state, one could say. Um, but yeah, can I just say that that is mm-hmm. <laughs> that is one of the most important statements that's been made mm-hmm. today. And thank you for that. I cannot possibly agree more to that sentiment, which is they are possessed. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would, I would. Uh, I mean, even if you look at the the, the term metaverse, um, meta is very uh, it's, pronunciation is very closely linked to very old and arch- one could say archaic Hebrew word for dead. Um, which in essence is sort of what these people are. <laughs> um, they're sort of without, I don't know, have they lost their souls? I, I don't know. It's, it's, you talk to some of them, it's like a glazed they're look over the their eyes. Um, <laughs> the dead yeah. verse, exactly. Let's trademark that I mean, real quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could, we could make a series oh, yeah. of it. Like just the collaboration t shirts we could probably quality. move, you know. Yeah. <laughs> just on the dead verse alone <laughs> with the, the all the meta stuff we can exactly. we can lift. <laughs> I mean I mean this this goes back to, to education as well. I've I've never been to university. Wow. Um I would never go to university. That probably saved um, you, brother. <laughs> can we get yeah. a round of applause? Yeah. <laughs> um it's unpainted. Unpainted yes, is pure. <laughs> I mean they're really, they're just creating a, a generation of dependence. That's it's what the state wishes. It's what they want, um, and it's it's really it's the rule of predation that the predator will will always seek to create the the, the or enfeeble uh, the the prey. And these people are just, I mean, they're they've literally taken on the similitude of the, the long extinct dodo bird, um, and I mean they're they're sort of going the same way. If uh, if we're to interpret their sort of mass vaccination programs uh, in that way, um, yeah, it's, it's it really is it, and it doesn't bode well for the future. Well, I hope that, that gives you plenty of amazing imagery to use in your videos, dude. Because I really love how you do utilize the the visual element along with your narration and your content. I, I really appreciate it because. Uh, uh, one of the things that got me into alternative media, like when you talked about, like you, you loved history as, as a kid and you loved military history in particular. So that's what helped you like kind of dive into this and you wound up here. Um, but you know, for me, it was, it was staying up late playing guitar and watching documentaries. And I watched a lot about music, but then when I ran out of music ones, I'm like, oh, I guess I'll watch these crazy conspiracy ones or something. And I absolutely love Adam Curtis. And he does like, synced music with like images that move and he does the narration and it just the way it flows it flows like a music video so to me that immediately like latched on to whatever makes that work with my brain but um you know i i see that you have um definitely some some visual influence um into what you do like how did you gather some of your ideas or whatever for your presentation of your channel because that's the other thing about it too it's not just the content which you i mean john henry obviously and i are both fans of and our listeners should be out there too but also what what was inspiring sort of the the presentation like you have this this mountain guy going on for your icon you got the 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 crazy visuals and your narration What, what gave you these ideas Honestly, just uh, they were just random, um, and it's 
most of the the graphics that I u- use um, and the thumbnails and what have you, um, that's just sort of I, I don't know. It's it's sort of my my way of doing graphical um, design. Um, I've sort of always done it that way in terms of thumbnails and, and what have you. But um, I, I quite like classical music, and, uh, and you know, I try I try to make the videos in a in a way. Um, motivational as well because obviously we're talking about some uh, somber material here um, but you know I, I'm trying to tell people it isn't, isn't all doom and gloom really, I know I'm reporting to you what seems to be doom and gloom but the nuance uh, surrounding it is, is far more complex and uh, I mean what, what these people are attempting to do it's never really been done within history um, Honestly, even with a dependent generation of people yeah, that's coming forward, it's very, I mean, it's extremely unlikely they're going to pass what they need to pass. Um, because even with the dependent, sort of psychological dependency within the, the, the this generation, this contemporary generation, um, they need to still generate enough chaos. And, and Again, it goes back to our, our discussion of war um, and the government waging war on its own people. They have to generate enough chaos uh, to essentially facilitate um, a radical reformation of the traditional norms. So, I mean, I, I find it highly unlikely they're, <laughs> they're going to get that done. Um, I don't think the technology is, is there quite yet. And I think they've, I think they've prematurely um, engaged in this, the sort of end game of their conspiracy to, yeah, far too um, uh, sort of feverishly. They've overplayed um, their hand a bit. To be successful, exactly. That's why I think, at least. Um, but I mean, I may just be seeing the silver lining in it, in the dark clouds. But I, I, that's why I would say logically well, it's speaking. because you always see the cyclical nature of things. The light always comes back, baby. Never always goes away. I mean, it might seem like it does, but it always <laughs> does. And I think that's the beautiful thing about what content like ours can do is that we're, yeah, we're, we're reporting to you from the front lines of the end of the world, but we're here to tell you it's going to be all right. You know, and, and the fact that we have each other to, to kind of share these types of, uh, conversations with and share with our audience i think is fantastic um one little question i wanted to throw if you got some time uh silas um uh, one of the things i wanted to ask you man since you're speaking of mathematics like there's there's been mathematical equations that have sent the world in the wrong direction um one can bring up i i, I would say just from speaking of adam curtis before too um john nash you know, the, the subject of the beautiful mind uh, movie, uh, his game theory and the way that that was adopted into the U.S.'s foreign policy, for instance, by people like Henry Kissinger and Zbigniew Brzezinski and like sort of the authors of what we know in modern times, you know, from the Trilateral Commission there um, of what we know now as globalism, like uh, those, those are based on mathematical theories. Like behavioral models are based on mathematical theories. So there's a tremendous amount of validity to the stuff that you just introduced our audience to. Um, but there's also, there's other um, competing theories out there. And I learned of this actually through uh, the, the first episode of uh, one of Adam Curtis's documentaries, I believe it's called The Trap. 
and it's called Fuck You Buddy. That was the name of the game that Nash came up with, and it was a way to train people to continuously strategize and how to fuck over all the other players in the game. And that's the guy that taught our intelligence agencies, our foreign policy people, like that, that, that changed the direction of Vietnam. That changed the direction of China. Like that's, that's what gave us what we know of, of modern Syria and Saudi Arabia, and everything that's going on in Israel and Palestine. I mean, it's unbelievable how a simple mathematical theory from somebody like that, and if you study the life of John Nash, um, he had some mental problems. And after, since going through those mental problems, he's denounced the game theory and says it's insanity. That the only people that are really, you know, going to do that are, are psychopaths. Problem is, that was a couple fucking decades later <laughs> after they had put it into practice. <laughs> so, you see where we can go, like when we're chasing the, the wrong tail here. <laughs> uh, so, I, I, what do you know anything about John Nash or, or game theory or any of these other uh, things that I just brought up there, brother? I know, I know about game theory, um, but it's it's the game theory of I think it's I think it's titled game theory if I mm-hmm. recall correctly by John von okay. Neumann. Um, he links with the the cybernetic uh, work again. Cybernetics is essentially uh, the steering of man. Eugenics, in and of itself, is um, a, a sort of compound of words, which means uh, the control or steering of human evolution. Um, so, yeah, you're you're absolutely correct. Um, he's it's essentially it comes down to them distorting what I've just showed you the zodiacal the cycles and what have you uh, of time and of nature. Um, them distorting the mathematical architecture, um, them using creation against the the, the created, <laughs> you know, the children of the creator. Um, it's again, it's it, it comes back to the we are life and they are anti-life, so they are the sort of dualistic uh, opposite of us. Um, it, a word for it would be psychopaths. Yeah, they're psychopaths. Um, ideas that are sort of put out there. Um, we have to be rigorous within our um, sort of uh, study and research of them. We have to make sure they're, you know, foolproof at that moment. Um, because anything you you put out there um, can and will. <laughs> Be distorted in, in uh, some fashion. I discussed it within my first book, uh, this idea of the theoretical continuum. That, for example, socialism and communism, even if, let's just assume Karl Marx's and uh, Engels' work was entirely innocent, what they put out there was, um, it wasn't foolproof. So it was distorted in such a manner um, as to facilitate basically psychopathic entities um, and using that against people. Um, we can discuss any manner of things. I mean, even even the US Republic, Constitutional Republic, um, look what the federal government has sort of mutated into. Um, so, sort of things that start out uh, innocuous or um, innocent can pave the road to hell, uh, for lack of a better term. 
What's well, like any other right? thing in the natural world? Like, uh, you know, something that you just forage and pick up and place in, you know, a, a vessel for a little while, uh, within the next few days, it's all right. You, you pull it out of there, you eat it. Right. But if you let it spoil and then you eat it, all sorts of other crazy things can happen. Like that, you know, that that's how, I mean, alcohol that, you know, that creeps in after a while. If you, if you have a fruit in a basket that just sits there for too long, like there's all sorts of natural processes that happen with death and change and in different ways. Like look at all the, the religious ties into what we do with de- the dead bodies, uh, you know, of, of, of our brothers and sisters, of our parents, you know, things of that nature. Like what, what we do in our culture in respect to the dead, like m- makes a lot of sense because of all the past experiences that people have had with dealing with death and dying and suffering. And whenever we, you spoke of, um, you know, the cyclical nature too, and, and where we sit um, in the, in the terms of we are life and they are death, that that is the role that they always take on. Because like, if we are proposing something good, they have, we are the thesis and they're the antithesis. And then their goal is to reach that that ending synthesis where they get to take over and 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 sort of uh, lay claim to whatever it is that we're battling over. And you, as you see right now, like we're we're dealing with a lot of iconoclasm in the West. Um, there are rainbow flags on everything now. There's rainbow flags on Cheerios. There's rainbow flags on Twinkies. There's rainbow flags on your shoes. There's rainbow flags on your flag. And then if your rainbow flag doesn't fly high enough. You could probably be catching a jail charge pretty soon. Probably, I mean, we're we're in that type of ideological cultural um, capture, if you will, um, that really places us in, in, in a in a space where we can expect now, like a, a more clearer and more definable evil. I think now that I've seen at least in, in my adult life. Maybe it's because I'm getting older. Maybe it's because like I'm a little less cynical now i guess because i'm I'm, i have more beliefs now that i used to i I guess like when you mentioned silas you came more from like an atheistic background too like i i kind of identify that uh, with that in a way um and and then just but having having things like this appear to me now i guess is proof of that evil and proof that you know oh my god if if there is evil (laughs) then what am I doing with myself? <laughs> I guess I guess you've had those conversations with yourself too, my friend. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it is. That was a great point you brought up regarding the Hegelian dialectic or triadic dialectic. That's entirely uh, what we're talking about here. Yeah, um, yeah, this sort of turning of the wheel and it um, requires motion. Um, you know, uh, two opposing forces. Um, that's what keeps the motion of life going. But you know, the, funnily enough, it's it should be sort of oxymoron. Uh, I guess. Um, you know, we we really need this sort of evil <laughs> in the world. I know it sounds absolutely preposterous, but we we need it for good to have a counterpoint to compare itself to. Um, I, I mean, in a in a way as well, it, it needs it needs to. I, I mean, we, we sort of need a a, a change. Life is change. We need a change with civilization as well. 
um, you know, it needs to either decline or collapse. And, and from the ashes can a new life spring forth. Um, you see that within nature from, you know, not meaning to be morbid, from uh, the dead um, and their physical vessels. Um, they're subsumed into nature and then from that births new life. Um, so yeah, I, I, I highly doubt they're, they're going to be able to continue this, what they're doing, which is basically destroying. Because what happens when you've got nothing left to destroy? You end up destroying yourself um, and your co-conspirators. Um, like the children of Saturn, Saturn ends up eating his own children. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree as well. I've uh, <laughs> had conversations uh, or self-reflections like that in the past as well. Yeah, wow. John Henry, you had some there? So, Silas, my question is based on you know, that I think this will be a good segue um, into your thoughts on today's Supreme Court decision of Roe v. Wade, what that means, um, what you think will develop out of this, and and really just your thoughts as somebody that's not within the United States right now. Um, in, in terms of the decision right now, um, I think it comes on the back of, uh, we're, we're seeing the Ukraine war. Um, the nation, the nationalism that they've sort of propelled into the Western or progressive Western uh, mind is starting to dissipate. People are becoming less enthusiastic about uh, Ukraine, obviously, because uh, Russia's. If, if we assume that it's, it's, it's you know it's all true, uh, Russia seems to be steamrolling them right now. So people are becoming less enthusiastic by that. So they need to look for another avenue. Um, firstly, to pr- propel an idea of nationalism, an idea of you know a crusade for something, um, and on onto that crusade for something of social justice or what have you, they'll then attach new uh, radical uh, social narratives. Um, it, it could be anything really at this point. Um, I, I couldn't say what they will attach to this uh, in the movements that will be born out of this, but. Uh, It'll be something obviously chaotic, destructive, uh, or inducing either of those. Um, also, as well, it's, it's great for division. And they're also they're gearing up for, a, uh, as I've just showed you, Four Horsemen. We're going into potentially the, the summer solstice, the era of war, the era of the second horseman, the fiery red uh, uh, horse. Uh, funnily enough, Beyonce's new album is uh, her sitting on a red horse a sort of trivial uh, point but um, yeah so they need they need this division they need this chaos within society this is a perfect way to do that it really I mean riles up the uh, progressive uh, uh, group I told- and obviously the right wing will be uh, uh, mobilised and galvanised as well by probably riots that will develop from yeah, I told John Henry a little, Sorry little bit earlier uh this today that um, I believe that we were coming upon a the, the summer of death, and since you brought up the whole summer solstice thing and you're talking about all this stuff, uh, I don't want to be right, but when you when you bring up those 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 evils that reveal themselves, um, it it made me think for a second though, um, the destruction that we experienced, and I'm sure you experienced a little bit of it over there in the UK too, um, over the George Floyd riots. Um, that mm-hmm. type of destruction woke up a lot of people. 
you know, it wasn't good. I'm not saying that David Dorn bleeding out on camera and me watching that over and over again was a good thing, right? But it opening up more people's eyes, I think that was a damn good thing. So when you, when you said that there needs to be evil in this world so people can see it, absolutely. And I think people like us are the people that need to show it to them. You know, somebody needs to show somebody something sometime, you know, you can't just be living with your VR headset on and chasing little uh, purple dragons around and stuff like that and collecting coins, you know, for, for 80 hours a, a week, <laughs> you know, you got to come out sometime and yeah. smell the roses and, you know, some, somebody has been pissing on the roses and we'll show you who's been doing it. <laughs> we have the footage. <laughs> so. And they've been eating asparagus. It's terrible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, they just come to me sometimes. <laughs> I just roll with it. But um, do you have anything like? do you want to kind of share with the audience finally before we start wrapping things up here, my friend? Um, really, just, just where they can uh, find my work. Uh, obviously, I'm on BitChute, YouTube, uh, Odyssey, Rumble, um, Minds, Gab, pretty much everyone. Um, Silas speaks, so that'd be S I L A S S P E A K S. Um, if you just type that in on any search bar on any of these platforms, I'll probably probably come up um, in the search results. Um, obviously, if you attach uh, at gmail dot com and send me an email, I can send you a free PDF um, of my previous or first book. There, I'm writing my second one. Um, if you want, I can also um, send you a link as well uh, via email or just wherever. If you comment on any of my videos, I can send you a link to some of the physical copies as well uh, that you can buy if you want a physical copy. Um, yeah, that's that's got nothing else <laughs> to add. That's great. To that. I mean, John Henry, did you did you want to add anything before we wrap up? No, I just uh, want to thank you again, Silas. It's certainly some brilliant insight on a, a lot of different things. So I certainly appreciate you um, coming on. I just having a, a fantastic conversation. You know, every day I try to learn something new and you have uh, taught me a lot during this last couple hours. So uh, thank you so much for all you do and continue with the great content. And to all of our listeners, please go take a look at um, everything that Silas has up. It's really some great stuff. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, John. Oh, and um, yeah, thank you both for being here tonight to, uh, to do this. Uh, this was a fantastic conversation. I'm, I'm looking forward to going back and re-listening through it and re-looking at all the things that, that you put up on the screen to, to just grasp even more. And I, I am just, yeah, like John Henry said, I am very thankful for your time um, and, and the type of work that you did to put something like this presentation together for our audience too. So I hope everybody out there uh, listening or watching loves this. Um, please go follow Silas Speaks on all the different platforms that you're on. Um, and then also, he he's also a great dude. So leave some comments and give some good feedback. Like if you have questions and stuff, he, he would probably be able to chime in and help you out a little bit. I don't know put you on the spot there, but I've, I've seen you have some pretty good interactions with people. And then also you mentioned a, a gilded server. Is there a way that people can access that? Or is that private or what, what's that about Silas? Um, I, I can send you, I can send people a link to that. Yeah. It's, it's more a sort of a hub of oh. information. 
where we collate information and um, uh, people in the server. And uh, yeah, it's so it's, it's very good. Obviously, we have a news feed and uh, we discuss Gematria and uh, Kabbalah and uh, obviously the political developments as well, as we see. All right. So I can send you a link to that. You can put it in the video. Or yeah. Send me anything you would want to help people make contact with uh, yourself and then more dissidents like us. Like I think what John Henry and yourself have brought up during this uh, whole thing, it was great about, you know, I just are finding our purpose here and finding ourselves in this, this community. Uh, however you may have gotten here, whether it be through uh, military history or, Iron Maiden lyrics, um, you know, there's there's all sorts of ways you can find yourself into this group, but uh, I'm glad to be a part of it, and I'm glad that you were here with us, Silas, this evening. So, uh, thank you very much, my friend, and uh, with that, um, until we meet again, and until we are free, we are the New Prisoners. Thank you for listening to The New Prisoners. Let us know what you think about this week's topics on our Minds page and Substack or leave a comment under our video on BitChute, Odyssey, Rumble, and Brideon. You can also risk being shadow banned, suspended, or permanently banned on Twitter and Instagram with us, or speak freely with us on Gab. Please feel free to share your own sources with us, and remember to share the information we provided you here. You never know what kind of difference it could make. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, email the new prisoner number six at protonmail.com. Provide a brief description of the topic or topics that you would like to discuss, and a screener will contact you. You can always choose to appear anonymously. And you can also donate to the new prisoners through anchor.fm slash the new prisoner number six slash support. There you can make a monthly donation of 99 cents, 4.99, or 9.99. We also have a subscribe star where you can make a one-time or recurring contribution at subscribestar.com slash the hyphen new hyphen prisoners. Or you could donate US dollars and crypto to us on Mines and Odyssey. All donations go towards studio upgrades to make more content and advertising to spread the word about the show. Every amount is appreciated. Demand answers, not orders. We are the new prisoners.